It is now my pleasure to introduce the next guest speaker, a highly awarded author. He was here today to talk to us as a judge. Uh, Kath Crowley will be very well known to everyone in the room. Her young adult fiction novels include The Gracie Foltrain Trilogy, Chasing Charlie Duskin, Graffiti Moon, Words in Deep Blue and Take Three Girls, which was co-written by Fiona Wood and Simone Howe. In 2011, Graffiti Moon won the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Young Adult Fiction and the Ethel Turner Award for Young People's Literature. Words in Deep Blue was awarded the Golden Gold Inky for 2017, the Queensland Literary Award for a Young Adult Book and the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Young Adult Fiction. Take Three Girls, of course, won the CBCA Book of the Year for Older Readers in 2018. Um, Kath joins us today to speak to us on judging the, re the, re the Readings Young Adult Book Prize. So please welcome Kath Creeley. It's my absolute pleasure to be here today for a couple of reasons. One, a group of librarians are hugging lots of people because it's not an understatement to say that I, I adore librarians. Um, they, they really are the reasons that my, my books and other authors' books are in young adults' hands, and so I just I can't thank you enough, so I'll just start that way. But also because today I get to talk about six books that I absolutely adore um, that were on the readings prize shortlist, and I get to talk a little bit about judging and the process of that. Um, I'm aware that I'm in a room full of people who will have judged um, reading not this prize before but other prizes before. Can I just get a show of hands of how many people have been in in the room when books have been... I, I, so I've got a couple, perhaps less than I... Yes, yes, I thought so. So you, um, you will know a lot of the... You'll be kind of familiar with a lot of the joys and the challenges that I'm talking about. And I also know that, you know, a lot of people will have read these books and if you haven't, I hope that you go away and read them by the end of this. So the Readings Young Adult Book Prize um, was established um, in 2016 and recognises exciting emerging voices in young Australian um, literature, first and second published books um, of young adult fiction and memoir are eligible. So it's a really interesting prize in that you are judging across a genre because fiction is, I think, incredibly hard to judge up against memoir because they really are two separate crafts. Um, so that was really interesting. And so the judging panel was made up of not just myself, so the reading staff members. Um, and those um, staff members were just fantastic. So there was Jackie Tang, who was readings online, Dally so Danny Solomon, who was reading kids, Kate O'Mara, readings Hawthorne, and Georgia Phelan was the chairperson. And they have such a wealth of knowledge about young adult fiction and children's literature. It was an honour to be on the, on the panel with them and more than a little bit intimidating. Um, and so, as well as that, there was also the Readings Teen Advisory Board. So one of the things that I absolutely loved, they weren't in the room with me when I was talking to the Readings judges, um, but their thoughts were given to us. So they had already written down their thoughts on each of the books, and I just think that is amazing. I mean, teen fiction is written for teens, and it's incredibly important that they are, they are able to weigh in on what book they think is the best book, bless you, out of all of these books. Um, so the readings, just so you know, I mean, uh, the Readings Teen Advisory Board, a volunteer group of teenagers that meets at Readings Head Office once a month 
to chat about recent and forthcoming young adult books. They write blog posts um, and short reviews. They learn about careers in the book industry and they provide feedback to reading staff on a range of subjects. And as I heard that, I just thought... I mean, I grew up in a, in a small country town. The library was the place that you know, I was every day and it was central to me, but I wish I had something like that. But I know that those sorts of groups aren't just going on at readings, they're going on in every school um, around Australia and I love that. So the judging panel, not just me, but I came in as the guest author. So I got quite excited when... Um, so I got the, the email from Bronte initially saying to me, I hope I've got a, um, an offer that will tempt you. Um, we'd like you to be the guest judge um, on the readings prize panel. I have never been a judge before. I mean, I've been writing for 20 years, um, and I'd like to say it's because I, um, I've never wanted to judge before, but I have always wanted to judge. <laughs> and no one has ever asked me to judge before. And so I was like, yes. But then my husband stepped me through, perhaps, I don't play well in book clubs. <laughs> um, I find it, the more I write, the more I just, I find it incredibly hard to, I can love other people's work, but I would rarely criticise other people's novels because it's an incredibly difficult job to write a novel. Um, and so, kind of, the, the more I've written, the less I've kind of thought it would be a good idea for me to be on a panel. Um, and anyone who knows me just knows that I want everyone to win. Um, <laughs> I love everything. Um, and, but in the end, I just thought, I love YA fiction, I teach YA fiction, I write it. I think it is one of the most important um, age groups, not, not genre because we have many genres within that age group, but I think it's one of the most important um, reading kind of audiences out there. Young people need to read books that reflect themselves. They need to read about being vulnerable in love. They need to be, you know, read about zombie apocalypses. They need to read about, you know, grief and all of these things so that they, and so that they can establish themselves and learn how to be themselves in the world. And so I said, I said yes. And obviously I was so excited that I hadn't read the email properly because I thought I would be able... I thought I would be part of choosing the shortlist, but I wasn't. So, so I was given, sent a shortlist of six books. So I didn't choose the shortlist. Um, so I think it's a great thing to say that I did actually think every, one on the, every book on that shortlist could have won. Um, but obviously we chose one winner, and I'll talk about that. Um, and so then I was in the, in the room when we talked about the six winners. So I'll go through the shortlist. I'm sure you all know who's on there. So we had Alison Evans, Highway Bodies, um, which is uh, just... I'll, I'll talk about each of the books in turn, um, published by Echo. Who's read that one? Has anyone read that one? I loved it. If you... And I'm not into zombie apocalypses. Like, I'm not looking forward to one happening. I, but I, this book is amazing. Um, what I like about me, um, uh, Jenna Gillam, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Gillami, um, which is a fantastic book um, published by Pan Macmillan, my publisher. Um, Stone Girl. Has anyone, read the, has anyone read What I Like About Me? I loved it. Anyone who's ever been in a bikini shop shopping for bikinis. <laughs> Feel for Maisie, who's sassy and gorgeous. I'll talk about her. Um, Stone Girl by Lenny Hale. Anyone read that one? This is an amazing book. Um, 
Really, I'll talk about this in detail, but line by line, the prose just is so startling, so original. Um, and this one is Penguin, published by Penguin. Um, making friends with Alison Dyson and Puppy Nurusum. Um, Wakefield Press, another glorious book. Anyone read this one? Oh, a couple of people. Oh, Teddy, he's a, he's a great character. Um, the memoir on the, book, on the list which I'll admit I was initially, well, memoir isn't fiction, but, um, but I loved it. It's a great book, this one, Unmasked by Churia Pitt. I haven't read the adult version. This is the young adult version, um, published by my publisher in the States, which is Random House Australia. And lastly, the absolutely gorgeous The Learning Curves of um, Vanessa Partridge. Claire Strawn, has anyone read that one? Great book. Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. So did I. But so I'll talk to you a little bit about all of them. Um, the winner, I won't keep in suspense, was Stone Girl, Alini Hale, which you would all know anyway because you've been following the prize. Um, but, but I'll talk to you a little bit about um, Alison Evans first. Um, so this book here. Um, well, the, actually, before I even get to that, I'll, I'll tell you what the criteria was too for judging. Because I found this interesting because I judge from here, um, although obviously I am splitting into different criteria, but I had to really tie myself to the readings criteria and I thought that was really interesting. So we looked at, obviously, does the book have a teen readership in mind? Does the book have an engaging plot? Are the characters and story believable? Um, does the book bring something new, unique to Australian young adult literature? which I thought was really interesting. Um, does the book respond to calls for more diversity in young adult fiction through characters, story or other? Really important. I love that one. Um, does the author seem aware of the book's context within the landscape of Australian young adult literature? I can't tell you how I grappled with that one and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and lastly, does the book's execution match its ambition? So this, these were the basis that we, we... And we really had to, in the end... It was a really difficult decision that we had, done to, had to get down to the nitty-gritty of, OK, well, which book does each of these things... Um, you know, I mean, the best, essentially. So Highway Bodies, 15-plus, if, you I mean, if you're recommending it to young adults. And I'm sure librarians will have a, have a sense of students who read up and read down and they'll know who they can recommend it to. I love the tagline on the back, who will you rely on in the zombie apocalypse? It really made me go through my friends and think, well, nobody, and certainly not even myself, <laughs> relying on anyone. Um, I, I adored this book. This book had me from the very first line. The writing, the premise, the plot, the characters. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a road book. It's a, you know, book about zombies, but it's a book about relationships too. Um, from the first line, Alison sets up... I'm so jealous because anyone who's read my books knows that I take too long to set things up and often teenagers will say to me, yeah, the first chapter was boring, but then I got into it. You know, it was good that the teacher pushed me on. <laughs> but Alison, right from, you know, chapter one... The logo on the news is the same as the one on Dad's uniform. The tally shows a ton of body bags, like a fuck ton of them. And all them people inside are dead. And there's a couple of people walking around in them white suits. And Dad's got the sound too low for me to hear from the kitchen. And I turn on the kettle 
and drown out the rest. And, and we're on. The zombie apocalypse is here, and we've got those hints. I mean, she really is a brilliant writer. So it's, the zombie apocalypse has arrived. That in the form of um, in the form of a virus that's ravaging Melbourne. So it's set against a backdrop of urban and rural um, Australia, which I loved. It's very Australian. Um, and we follow three different narrative threads. So we follow Eve. We don't know her name initially. Initially, she's unnamed. Eve and Dawn, and then Jojo and Rhea, Poppy, Dee and Jack, and Zufan as they make their way across this post-apocalyptic landscape. They're alone in this violent, aggressive, non-rational world and all their connections with Twitter, with the internet, they're all severed. So they really are kind of cast adrift. So the characters in the book are dealing with, with, in addition to the zombie apocalypse, relationships, identity, family, friendship, grief, sex, love, alienation, isolation and abuse. And the novel's characters there, there are a range of um, queer and gender non-conforming protagonists and each have their own distinct voices. I mean, I've read on the readings website and I agree, it's a brilliant contribution to LGBTQIA and it's a brilliant contribution to just Australian YA literature in general. So it's a very sophisticated start, I think, when we start with Eve, who's unnamed. She's already living in this turbulent, dangerous world. Forget the zombies. She's got her own family and her own problems to deal with. Um, Eve and Dawn, the, the character she connects with, they are incredibly satisfying. There is this tenderness between them. Um, and they have these conversations about the fact that they might well have to kill each other in this world. because, And they're, they're also dealing with pregnancy in this kind of new and dangerous world. It's a really well-drawn um, relationship between them, and it's really moving. Um, so there's an underlying sadness that they're both going to you know, kill each other if they have to. Um, and Alison uses the apocalypse to explore this dangerous world that, that these characters inhabit. But whether there's an apocalypse or not, these teenagers are marginalised. They need each other. They connect with each other. And the dangers are actually outside in the, in the humans, whether they've got a virus or not. There are other dangers moving around. So it's a really interesting read and it's incredibly funny. Um, so as well as being kind of, you know, scary and dangerous and um, tender at times, you know, there's these lovely quips about Twitter kind of running through. It's really great. I, I've put it into the hand of every young adult I can, I can find. Um, so moving on to, but I've just lost my batteries, <laughs> is the next one, which is um, What I Like About Me. So, oh no, sorry. Mm, yes, What I Like About Me. Um, so this starts with, I love this, here lies Maisie Martin, dead from embarrassment at 16. And I could, re I could really relate to this book. It's written in journal form and it works. It, the narration really works, I think. Um, Maisie is a girl who has always hidden, she's hidden her body, she's, you know, goes to the beach in jeans, She's in love with a boy that her best friend, who's meant to be getting over her boyfriend, starts to date. They go on this um, holiday to the beach. Her dad is missing um, and Maisie is, you know, stuck, feeling as if she doesn't belong, as if she's too... Well, she's, she's too big. Um, she doesn't want to wear the things other people are wearing. And really... Um, 
there's that going on. But, I mean, the book is really about her finding her voice. Her sister, Eva, has won the talent contest that's run every year in this beachside community. So there are pictures of her sister who's, you know, tanned and um, gorgeous in, the, in what Maisie thinks is gorgeous, in her words, up around everywhere when she's shopping for her bikinis. And so this book, I mean, it had the, the reason I loved it, part of the reason I loved it, it had the potential to be a little bit cliched, I thought. I mean, it could be. It's incredibly important terrain that she's covering, though. And Maisie is sassy and funny. You do not, at any stage, feel sorry for her. You want her to, to win. There's a great scene at the end where she actually goes into the, um, the um, beauty contest, and she, it's not cliched. Like, we really, we're taken in, in a surprising way. It's a gorgeous book. Um, so I think one of the things I love about YA fiction is that we really can get into the vulnerabilities of what it's like to be human, and that, doesn't, that carries across the age groups. Yes, Maisie's 16 and dying from embarrassment, and I would, you know, I mean, I, that would happened to me sometimes, but not as much as when I was 16, but there's a connection. This character works because she is, she is human. Okay. And, and I think that's a really, you know, it's a really important thing about YA fiction. So now I've got my batteries back in, I can take this to um, Stone Girl, which I actually, I'll leave that to the end because that was the winner. Making friends with Alison Dyson, hands up again who's read this book. I, this is a, um, oh yeah, <laughs> Harrison's kind of giving me a little smile. I think this is, um, I've read it three times now. And every time I think, gosh, this language is really understated, but it's incredibly beautiful. The relationship between Teddy and the main character is really interesting, um, I think. Alison Dyson is in year 12. She's focused on study. So this is for 13 plus, sorry. And what I like about me is 13 plus two. So Alison Dyson is in year 12. She's focused on study and she's got a set plan for the future. And then crashing into this set plan comes Teddy, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Tolue, I'm going to say, the school's most notorious troublemaker. So I think completely, you know, straight and then this, this kind of absolute whirl of trouble comes her way. Um, and I think this is wonderful because it sets up the character Restrained Alice um, She's explored against the dynamic and the chaos of Teddy. And what Alice is really afraid of, I think, she wants freedom. She wants freedom more than anything, but she is so frightened of it because freedom means going up against her parents. Freedom means breaking the rules. Freedom means kissing Teddy, and that is terrifying. It means falling in love. So I think um, making friends with Alice and Dyson, it's a, it's a slow burner on you. Like, it really, when you read it, when you read it, first of all, I've had heard some people talking about, well, it's a, it's a romance. And actually, I think a romance is a fantastic genre, but I actually think this is a really important um, romance to be talking about with young people. There are at times, you know, really delicate nuances in their relationship. She's drunk on the dance floor and Teddy's trying to kiss her. He, he doesn't from memory, but I think that makes for a really interesting discussion at the moment with you know, discussing ideas of consent with, with young people, um, how we navigate conflict within a relationship between the two of them, um, how we often in my books, 
and and I'm willing to cop the kind of criticism of well you know in Graffiti Moon there's this really neat ending where they end up together and the question I often get from young people is well do they end up together well no they get to be middle-aged and <laughs> terrible things happen but I don't say that to them but in the, <laughs> what do you think happens to them no but in the end of um this book she I won't tell you what happens but it, it's handled in a way that you know that's realistic that you can be a strong person with your own goals and also fall in love and you can navigate with that with the person that you're with or have an attraction to someone and navigate that. The language is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, there's one line from here that I, that I wanted to read. Now, I was going to read from all of them, but I didn't have time. But um, just, just even the first chapter, even before I reached the gate, it's obvious something is different. A group of girls outside the school all turn to see, whispering as I walk inside, and I glance over my shoulder as I slowly climb the building steps. What was that about? Inside the hallway, it's cool and dark, opposite to the burning summer sunshine outside. A school is near the ocean, so even in the long, dark hallways, the scent of salt is strong. It invades everything, rust eating the gutters on the roof, Biting into the teachers' cars outside. I swear, even the tap water here tastes of salt. It's a very beautiful piece of writing. And the other thing I love about it, and I'll talk about um, this in terms of the criteria, it's not flowery. It's, you know, the descriptions are concrete and they're specific and they call on the senses. And I think this would be a really wonderful book to teach parts of in a classroom. Let me just get back into order. So, Unmasked. Has anyone read? Sorry, I know I asked before, but hands up if you've read that one. It is well worth a read. I, I initially thought, how am I going to judge? And I did find it difficult. How am I going to judge fiction against non-fiction? That, you know, if you, if you think about the criteria again, um, you know, well, it does have a teen readership in mind, does the book have an engaging plot? I mean, plot really is about construction. So, yes, you construct a memoir, but when you're constructing fiction, you are really looking at particular beats in it, and we are in memoir as well, but it's slightly different when you're writing fiction. Um, are the characters and story believable? Well, yes, they are. They happen, don't. But, of course, you can... There are different ways to evoke characters in a memoir and so I really pushed myself to think about it in terms of this criteria and I loved it. This, it's written by um, Cheerio Pitt but also Bryce Corbett. I'd be so interested to hear how they went about um, the writing of it. Um, of course if you, I mean I'm sure everyone's heard the story. Um, let me just find. Um, It'd be terrible if it was the one page I didn't print out, but it's not. Um, so in September 2011, fitness junkie and mining engineer Churia Pitt competed in an ultramarathon out in the desert of Western Australia's Kimberley region. And during the race, she, along with a handful of other racers, were caught in a grass fire, which burned over 65% of her body and left her in a near-death state. The construction of the narrative around that first part of her accident it's split up so that you're not overwhelmed by it is fantastic and if you were doing memoir um in a class of students and and you gave them a warning that this was upsetting this would be a brilliant one to do um 
So in the young adult edition of her memoir, Pitt recounts the story of her recovery, her goal-smashing success in Ironman challenges, and offers advice on topics such as kindness, gratitude, discovering your strengths, overcoming setbacks, and finding the people who can lift you up and support you. Her advice to young people is so well-pitched and so well-written. And I mean, I'm not a teenager, but I found myself as an adult just thinking, yes, I mean, this is really important messages that you're conveying. You're not talking down to teenagers. Um, you're really talking at their level. Um, and I think it's really important for young adults to read memoirs like this. It's, they need to read stories about resilience, and this is absolutely that. Um, but she's also making the things that, you know, that happen in our lives, good or bad, have a, have a reason. I'm not one to say that we all need difficult things in our lives. I don't think we do. But, but terrible things happen. And she gives really good strategies how to overcome that. We're more, and the other thing I loved about it, as I did with um, what I like about me, we are more than our bodies. We are so much more than that. And I think young people will really relate to the, to the fact that she wasn't married when, um, not that marriage is the be all and end all, but she just met her partner when this accident happened. And he stayed by her side. It's, so it's also this story of just not necessarily enduring love, but enduring friendship. Like, the two of those people must have been just, you know, so bonded by the end of that. Um, and we hear from those characters as well. So we don't just hear from Turia. We hear from her mother. We hear from her partner. We hear from her um, mother and father-in-law who took her in. It's, I think, you know, young people are going to find it really quite moving and astounding and how they helped her with her recovery. So this one was one of my absolute favourites when I thought... I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this one. Um, so it explores difference, how to live when you don't look like everybody else, um, and Sharia Pitt is wonderfully honest about it. There's this real you know, honesty that, that works in this um, memoir. Keeping my eye on the time, sorry. The Learning Curves of Vanessa Partridge. I, launched, I, had the, I had the great pleasure of launching this, and I do know Claire. But wow, this... This book is fantastic. Vanessa is hilarious. Um, let me just find it so I don't mess this one up. It's just gorgeous. Um, so the novel begins with this school assembly and Vanessa is sitting in the school assembly. She's 15 and she's listening to Mrs Blatt tell her students about their moral obligations. You know, they've got to strive for exemplary behaviour that reflects the earnest commitment to the highest ideals. And then you've got Vanessa... What I should be doing is going over the carefully crafted speech I'm about to give, explaining my model Earth and accompanying musical composition intended to portray the interplay between the planet, hydrosphere, biosphere, lithosphere and its atmosphere, trios troposphere, stratosphere, mesosphere, thermosphere and exosphere. What I am doing is imagining what I'd say if Dareth Laurie asked me to sleep with him. <laughs> yes, that's what I'd say. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny, it's so funny, but she really tackles just such important things in this, in this book. So Vanessa spends every summer holiday with her wealthy family in this estate in she, beside Beachside Shearwater, sorry. So she goes there every year. She visits her best friend at the caravan park, great secondary characters in this book, practising her cello and keeping up with her father's demanding standards. 
But this year, things are going to be different because her brother is bringing along Gareth, who's the boy that she's just thought, yes, 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 I would like to have sex with you. Um, and Van is positive. I love this as a quote. Good girls in plats aren't supposed to have thoughts um, that she has about him. <laughs> she's, she's, Van is just, she says, this is another great line, Van is a wonderful character. Um, do you think I'm a sexomaniac? This is in her head. Do you think I'm a sexomaniac? Why, yes, Vanessa. Your sensible plats and interest in philosophy have made that perfectly clear. <laughs> so many good lines. Um, but it takes us off... So I don't want to give too much away, but essentially she, she meets... She has different relationships within the, within the novel. And they really um, are about, I think, navigating consent... Um, and that you get to withdraw your consent at particular times, um, wherever that is at the stages of the relationship or the act of sex. And I think it's done in such a wonderful way. I mean, Vanessa is young and she's naive, but in some ways she sounds 25 and in some ways she sounds five, which I think teenagers do. Um, and your heart will break for her in the end, and I hope, I so hope that not all young women or young people have to go through kind of the stages of initiation that she seemed to, to go through in this novel. But maybe they do. Um, I know when we wrote Take Three Girls, some of the things I found out were quite shocking for me. And I think that in reading this, one, it's not an issues book. You, you're carried away by the story, by her involvement in the environment, by her, you know, falling in love, by her relationship <laughs> with her mother and father and the beautiful writing about music. You're carried away with that. But you are also thinking on the way through this poor young character, you get to say no at this point, like, that's not your fault, this is, you know, like, these are complex issues, you can talk to someone who's older than you. Um, so it's a, it's a brave book and it's a really beautifully written book. And so this one is for 15 plus. Um, and I straight away put this in the hands of my nieces. So have a read who read it. And obviously they're much older and told me a few things that I didn't know. <laughs> more naive than them. So this is the quote from the, um, from the readings website, and I think this is perfect to describe Claire Strawn. Um, she's a keen observer of the messy inner lives of teenagers with a sophisticated grasp on the uneven power dynamics of attraction, and she handles the very light and the very dark moments, which may be triggering for some readers, with grace and compassion. I can't recommend this one, or all of them, but this one more highly. And I've got left myself just enough time to talk about a book that made me envious. I mean, these are the first... Keep in mind, these are the first books these people have written or the, or the second book they've written. Stone Girl... Um, just line by line, every line, every word is perfect... Her um, prose is, Eleni, I should say, not her, but it's astounding. And this was the, and these were the comments made in, in the judge. Everyone had this same reaction to it. It hits you like a punch. It's for older readers, and so you would want to think about who you gave it to, talk to them about it. Um, but, wow, Eleni Hale, I can't wait to see the next thing she comes up with. I mean, she's right up there with Vicky Wakefield for me. She is, and Fiona Wood, that she's quite amazing. So Stone Girl tells the story of Sophie, who's a young ward of the state, and she's growing up unprotected by adults and the system. The characters are outsiders, and Hale gives voice, motive, life to these people who are living on the fringe. Um, the book is 
devastating, but it walks this great line. It is still YA. We are still firmly looking at this experience through the eyes of Sophie, even though she is really wise and old beyond her years, heartbreakingly so. So she's in a streetwise and brutal world, but she's still a young adult, and there's immediacy there. While the reader can see the motives of the adults, we are on the side of the teens there when they're commenting that kids know more than adults. Everyone in this book, the adults and the kids, they are trapped in the system. Like That system is controlling them. So Hale's prose is exquisite, precise, original. Sophie's voice is mesmerising. Terrified, we follow into this violent and unsafe world. We know that her choices are leading her towards danger, but and we hold our breath for her, desperate for a different end to the one that Hale really leads us to believe is inevitable. She's got great control in her writing. She explores difficult and important terrain. One of the most interesting things about about the book is she explores the friendships within the book that Sophie really needs. She needs to make a connection. The young people she's meeting, the boy she meets, um, they're her family, You can see at the same time that they're drawing her towards things that are really dangerous for her. And yes, you would like to kind of split her off from those people ideally, but they are the only people who know what she's going through and they're the only people who are actually there for her. Um, So we understand the threat that spiral, traumatised and violent, holds for Sophie, but we also see the complicated nature of attraction between those two. And so I think what this book, um, what I loved about it, is that... He is a really bad choice for her in a lot of... He's violent, he hurts her. But you can see why um, there's no reason for anyone to be like... There are reasons why young men might end up in that position. So you see where he begins. You can see why she still clings to him. And so the, 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 the dynamic that's been drawn by Hale is you know, really important to talk about, I think. Um, so it explores the critically important topic of violence against women which we need to confront and we need to talk about um, in order for it to be changed. Um, I had just one part of this march to read to you. It's been that kind of a day. Got up and went to the wrong place to start with. I don't know where I put that book. I won't read that. Um, But actually, it's good because I should move on because I've only got five more minutes. It's right in front of me. (laughs) All right, okay. (laughs) We're on. Um, So, and I I will say, before you give this book to a young adult, have a read of it yourself. I mean, this is one of the things that were talked about in in the meeting. It's sophisticated, you know, and it's it's not pulling any punctures. This is um, just a, a small section... Um, from where Sophie is hungry and she's at the um, train station and someone offers her fish and chips and she goes home with him. And the whole way, you're just holding your breath, just don't go home with him. And of course she does, because that's the nature of fiction. She's not getting out of it. But um, So I, I feel the closeness, this is Sophie, I feel the closeness of his big hairy head as I lock my gaze on a row of ducks arranged on the windowsill. And it makes me angry, these organised ducks. Hasn't he been to a pond and seen how they would squabble over pieces of bread and how they swim in dirty water without caring? These apricot ducks, neat and ordered, are wrong, wrong, wrong. Don't call me Soph and leave me alone, I say eyeballing him, clinging to the towel. Why are all the doors locked? What was in the orange juice? And how do you know my name? 
and did you look in my backpack? It's a really, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat page turner. She gives us hope in the end and it's believable, right? Which is what I loved about this book. It did not leave you feeling like there is no way to change. And even though it is bleak, Sophie Hale's, um, sorry, Eleni Hale's control of narrative means that when we need lightness, she pulls us up at the end of every chapter in <laughs> relief and then we go in again. It's a very well-written written book, very well-structured and, so, and you know, really deserved to be the winner. So big clap even though she's not here for Eleni. Can't wait to see what she's going to do next. And so just lastly, I thought I'll just, I've got four more, five more minutes and I'll just have a quick chat about the, you know, the challenges. I mean, the challenges for me, there was no line, I, I know it's implied and we kind of added this in when we were in the judges meeting, but there was no line about prose um, in the criteria. It wasn't covered. So it was characters, plot, they're very important. And I suppose it's implied, but I think why fiction has to be written beautifully and well, um, and if it's not, we're doing... You do your readers, I think, a bit of a disservice. So I think that that should be one of the criteria. And so we did add that in. And you, you couldn't ignore that when it came to Alini's book because every single line was fantastic and you had to comment on it. Um, so I think that was really interesting. I loved that we're looking now and making sure that books are diverse and that's one of the ways by which we judge them because young people have to see themselves reflected. It's not a... It's not enough. You have to have all of those other things up and, you know, being juggled and bouncing around. But that's got to be, that has to be in our books at the moment so people can see themselves in the stories that they're reading. The one that I really um, grappled with in the, is just the author seem aware of their book's context within the landscape of Australian and young adult literature? And I, I mean, I teach young adult fiction, so we talk about what the landscape of Australian young adult fiction is. Um, but I don't think there's ever... I asked a lot of writers about this, and I don't think any or no one that I, that I asked answered, yes, as I'm writing, I'm aware of the context of Australian fiction as I go through. And I, I mean, I know what it means on a kind of a rational level, but, I'm, but it would assume that when the writer is writing that they're being guided by um, convention instead of... Uh, or here instead of here. And really you are being, I think, when you're writing, oftentimes, you're being dragged by this part of you, I think. Like, it's, it's kind of a visceral thing when you're writing a story. And so I don't think I've ever thought that... The only ways in which I would say that I write with an awareness of young adult fiction is that the protagonist is going to be a teenager and be looking at the concerns that, um, that they go through. I'm going to have um, some... Uh, my, my, I'm not going to be writing... Cat's Eye by Margaret Atwood, so my protagonist is going to be have a relationship to the things, to the problems. They're going to have an immediacy to those problems. Um, but if we if we set that as a criteria criterion for uh, what makes a brilliant book, then I'm not sure. The, well, I mean, the the book thief or Jasper Jones or. Um, well, I think there are some books that don't necessarily do that. They kind of break the mould. They move out of that. And thank goodness that they do because they're different and they spin young people around. And so I think we need to be aware of uh, what's going on, but I really hope that we don't have um, fiction that 
is all geared towards this way because that is the way the landscape is at the moment and you've kind of write like that and you'll get published. I hope that we go this way. I mean, I think it's not Australian, but I'll think of Stephen Camden, Nobody Real, which is about an imaginary friend and a teenager. You would think it would never work and it is the most amazing book I've ever read. And so that's just kind of completely off the bat. Like, and, I, and I hope we continue to have those um, books kind of pop out. Um, so lastly, just um, finishing up, four minutes to go. The other thing I absolutely loved about the shortlist is that we crossed YA as a readership and we crossed genre in here. We had books about relationships, small books, quiet books about relationships between teenagers but between people and navigating that. We had books about consent, um, young, smart people who are still making choices because bad perhaps or you know ordinary choices because they're vulnerable we had zombie apocalypses which had as much depth emotional depth as all of the other books and we had Stonegold that looked at you know a girl who's living on on the fringe and how we can change the lives of young people if we actually just listen I mean Alini Hale I, I can't speak for her and I, but I've read a little bit and I think she's lived some of the experiences in this book which just shows that you know I mean the the future for, for all young people is, is bright and amazing if someone who went through this experience comes out and writes prose like this. Um, so an absolute pleasure and privilege to be on this panel. Um, and, yes, and I encourage you all to go and get these into your libraries and read them because they are spectacular books. Thank you. If I, if I can just, um, on behalf of Slav, say thank you very much to Kath Crowley for sharing her perspectives of the Reading's Young Adult Book Prize shortlist and winner. Um, and it was really fascinating for me to hear Kath put her, if you like, author's hat on, but speak as a judge. So um, thank you so much for that this afternoon. That was fabulous. So thank, thank you. you.